What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 11 of the Aaron Wayne Podcast. What's up, guys? A couple quick words on before we start this one. I got 15 seconds to hit you with this. Talk of ramble about a bunch of different things. Talk about fully remote learning because my kids just went back to school. I talk about Andrew Yang and Bernie Sanders and all these different cats who have complex ideas that need podcasts in order to articulate them. I talk about ways that you can effectively teach and be a student online. I talk about the Dyatlov Pass incident, which is a tragic hiking event in the 1959s in Russia. Here we go. This is the podcast. Let's go. What's up, guys? Hope you're doing well out here living my life. Uh, school just fired up and my dogs are fired up. You're going to see them walking around the room if you're watching on YouTube and that's okay. It's okay. You have dogs or maybe you don't. You wish you had dogs, but I do. And uh, sometimes when I podcast, they're a part of it. So I hope you're ready for that. I'm also in my school clothes. Look at me. If you're watching this on YouTube, let me roll up my sleeves. Time to roll up the sleeves, y'all. Here we go. I'm not cooking as hot as I was last week. Um... I don't know. Times are okay, Layla. She's moving a chair over there. Times are a bit hectic. We uh we sent our kids to we sent my school district sent our kids home to learn remotely, which is um it's interesting. It's different, man. They um the kids are doing well though. They're doing so well. It's crazy. So I live in uh college town. I live in the town where Virginia Tech is, and um. Like you've probably seen, college towns are the new spot. Like that's where it's all popping off. If you look at the map of Virginia, good girl. If you look at the map of Virginia, the spot where I live in Blacksburg is like a tiny little red dot in the middle of this state. And it's because of the university. And there's no fault. I mean, I'm not I'm not pointing fingers or anything. I'm just saying like that's a fact. We brought a lot of people in from different communities around the, the state and the country and that's what's going to happen. You know, they're living in close quarters and, you know, I'm 32 now almost. And I'd like to say that I would make responsible decisions at 20, but like, what do you think, what do you expect a 20 year old to do? They're going into their freshman year of college and they're going to have their experiences. And so, um, yeah, but my kids are back at remote learning and they're, they're doing well. They're doing well. It's great. It's really cool. We had our first fully remote day today and, um, you know, they're keeping up with the lessons. They're logging in and out of Zoom. I thought, or, and it's not Zoom, we're doing Google Meet. I thought a couple of good things that might be, I don't know if you're a teacher um, or maybe you're a parent and you're sort of interested in how this is all running, but what I'm doing is uh, I have my kids log in, I give them the lesson and we run through it and we have participation. I start my class with a writing activity um, I write with the kids. In fact, I was on the, I was hiking, um, not really hiking, but like on a walking path here in town called the Huckleberry trail. And I saw some parents of a previous, uh, student who I actually have that student's brother this year. And the three of us talked for a couple minutes and apparently their son went home last week and was like, yeah, he just like talking about me. He's like, yeah, he's, he just, uh, he started writing with us. Like while we were doing our journal entry, he was writing. And so listen up, people. If you're a teacher, googly moogly, you got to show your kids you can write. And that writing isn't a chore for students to do. It's a thing that is actually enriching for our lives. So every opportunity that I get to write in my class is an opportunity for me to think. Um, And that conversation with the parent 
kind of demonstrated for me that the kids pick up on it. They sniff it out. They can tell like, oh, this teacher is actually engaged in what uh, he or she is teaching. So write with your kids. I read with my kids too. If I do sustained silent reading, which I have no idea if I'm gonna have time for that this year. That's something that I would work in. It's just like a 15 minute block of silently reading as a class where the kids are reading whatever they want to read. Um, it's so long as they're not surfing the web. It's like got to be a, a paper book or like a Kindle, like an actual like text instead of you know searching through the internet. And I would read with the kids because it's important that they see adults engaging in this stuff and they know that it's not just education. It's like a lifelong learning pursuit. It's not just like, do you, how well do you do on the test? Because you've read plenty of books and you can write an, a five paragraph essay. It's like, no, these, we read books so that we can understand the world and we write so that we can understand how to articulate what's inside of us. So what was I talking about? I was talking about, uh, teaching strategies. I think it might be worthwhile to kind of, if you're a teacher, I don't know, you're probably not, but if you are, or if you're a student or if you're a parent, whatever level of student, parent, or teacher you are, I think it would be useful because education touches almost every life in this country. You know, most people um, are either in school or have a kid in school. That's probably statistically relevant, right? What do you say, Nash? Nash is shivering. I think he's cold. I hope he didn't throw his back out again. He does that from time to time. But the house is a bit chilly. You all right there, Bubba? Yeah, he's all right. He's good. So if you are hosting a Google meet or a zoom call, take breaks. You got to take time. I'm gonna take a break right now. Have me a sip of coffee. Mm. I'm going to have uh, breaks interspersed throughout my lectures because if I'm lecturing for an hour and I'm, it's 13 year olds in the class, they are tuned out. In fact, I had a kid who was fell asleep today. Uh, in class on my remote learning and uh, you know I taught I don't know 60 70 kids today something like that 60 at least 50 or 60 and uh, this one kid this one instance this kid fell asleep and um, this kid you know I'm not this is completely I'm not giving you any information about this person but this person fell asleep and um, the class ended. And in the Google Meet, I can't, if I kick people out, it causes problems. I have to regenerate a new link. So if I kick him out, then the link is no longer valid for all the other students. So what I did is I put up a Google slide that said, name, I know that you're sleeping in my class. Do better next time, period. And I tried to wake the kid up too. Like I went on YouTube and I just found an annoying alarm and played the annoying alarm. And I think that this kid had muted me. Come on, kid. So this kid muted me. And then um, I just left the Google Meet running until this student, I wasn't there. I left my, my MacBook open and with the Google Meet running. And the only thing that was on the slides for the student to see was name. I know that you're sleeping in my class, period. Do better next time. And it was like 20 minutes before this kid logged out of the thing. So this person knew, knew that was bad behavior. All right, what else I got for you? Do I have other tips? I don't know. I don't know if I have other tips. Just play with the technology. I'm finding that a lot of teachers are um, trying to pick up a lot of strategies that would have better been served to have picked them up over the last five years 
once Google became fully integrated into our public school systems. Um, and I don't know about your school district, but mine is like Google, 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 a Google, a Google, a Google, Google, a Google. And uh, so the, the that time like of when we started the Google stuff, like um, that would have been time well spent. And I think that there's a lesson for all of us to take, which is don't wait until you need the skills in order to, to develop them. Continue to develop skills, whatever your profession is, because who knows when things will be pulled out from under you. One of the things I do with my kids at the beginning of the school year is um, I show them a video, which is an abridged TED Talk by a guy named Sir Ken Robinson. He gave this TED Talk in, I reckon it was the year 2000, because in the beginning of the video, he says, um, you know, TED um, is an acronym. It stands for technology. I think education and design, maybe it's entertainment and design, but, um, yeah, Ted, if you don't know what a Ted talk is, what are you doing on a podcast right now? How, how the heck did you get here? If you didn't know what a Ted talk was. So I show this little clip of a Ted talk and the, the, the actual assignment is for the kids to pull out the theme, which in literature is the message or the, um, the, the message that the, uh, author or speaker is trying to portray to the audience. And so at the beginning of it, he says, in his lovely British accent, and this guy's got such wit. Just YouTube Sir Ken Robinson TED Talk, and it's like he's so funny. He jokes about like, um, he he jokes about Shakespeare having an English teacher, which is just like a crazy idea. Like you would never think, but yeah, someone was his English teacher, and he also um talks about um like Paul McCartney's teacher not valuing his musical talent, which is like, dude, you had half of the Beatles in your class and you didn't see it. Um, but yeah, so he's, he says in the beginning of the Ted talk, he says, you know, uh, it's worth recognizing right now that the kids that are entering school right now, I guess maybe 2007 or something like that. The kids that are entering school now are going to retire in 2065. And we can't predict what the world will look like in five years from now that this is before Twitter was invented. Mind you, he gave this speech. Um, and we see what Twitter's done to the world. Um, you know, presidential candidates tweeting how it has affected political upheaval in the Middle East during the, um, what was it called? The Green Revolution in Iran? During the Arab Spring. All that stuff, right? That's because of Twitter. A lot of that um, can be attributed to Twitter. Um, Mubarak in uh, the Middle East. All this stuff, right? Um and so he says, we don't even know what five years looks for like from now. So how can we anticipate, how, how can we presume to be able to give kids the tools that they actually need in order to meet this future that we don't even know what the heck it looks like? You know what I mean? And so um, I have my kids watch this at the beginning of the school year and pick up the theme. And so his theme from this is that his theme, that the thing he wants for people to understand from his talk and from his advocacy and his education and his work, this guy, Ken Robinson is that schools are on a very straightforward path to stifling creativity through creating a standardized educational protocol. And I'm not saying we don't need to standardize education. And I'm not saying that tests are bad. But what I am saying, and what he is saying, is that an overemphasis on those sorts of things and removing the autonomy of good teachers creates a situation where the kids, their creativity is stifled. And the thing, so as he defines creativity, Robinson defines creativity as the 
production of unique ideas that are of use, period. And so like unique, maybe he uses the word novel or new, right? And of use, right? Who gets to define what's of use? Probably people in that field, right? No, I'm not a graphic artist. So I couldn't tell you if something is a unique in the field because I don't know the history of graphic arts or painting or anything like that. And I also don't necessarily know if it's useful because in order to understand, you know, novel, useful ideas, I have to be steeped in the history. But I do know what unique education looks like and what unique teaching looks like because that's my field. And there's some teachers out there right now who are busting their fannies to make sure that we give good education to our kids, even though I'm only getting to see my kids twice a week which is crazy right now. Like in the remote learning environment, we just dropped out for two weeks so that we're going fully remote until the end of September. Today's date is September 14th. And we dropped out for two weeks so that we could uh, kind of rev our way into, um, rev our way into, so we could just like, you can tell that it was a long day of teaching. This is what it looks like when you podcast after a long day of teaching. Some days I come in and I'm hot and I'm burning hot and I'm running it. And then other days it's like, I can't find my words, but we're home for the next couple of weeks and I effectively get to see my students twice a week so I can teach two lessons and I send them home uh, for Wednesday, which is like a check-in uh, conferencing day. And I send them home for that so that they can um, carry on with what I give them on the first lesson of the week. Why do I tell you this? I tell you this because we got to pace it, but we also got to cram it. And it's really interesting. And then we think about Ken Robinson. One of the things I said to my kids as I was introducing this idea, idea to them is I said, I say to the students, you are, and this is specifically within this structure of um, the fall of 2020, the fall season, not the fall of 2020, like Rome is falling, though it feels like it sometimes, right? When you look at the news, California's on fire. Googly moogly. Take a sip of this water, Aaron. I got a bubbly water for me. Delicious. The amount of these that I drink is unsettling. These Kroger brand seltzer waters, zero calories, caffeine free, carbonated water, natural flavors. If you're not on the soda water game, I don't know what you're doing. Get your life together. What was I talking about? This one went off the rails, didn't it? That's okay. I got my notes here. Ken Robinson's Educational Paradigm. I wrote these notes down. Oh, dude, I'm reading this book. Okay. Do you want to hear about this book? So I'm reading this book called Dead Mountain. And it's about this hiking, these this group of um, 10 college kids in Russia. I think they're going like into their junior year. So they're in their early 20s, late teens, early 20s. And they go to a place called... It's not Ural Poly Institute, Polytechnic Institute. I don't know. It's UPI. It's a it's a technical college in in Russia in 1959. So in the Cold War, bang bang boom. Um, and this book is sort of showcasing that even during the Cold War. I mean, this is post-Stalin Russia, where you know you have the um, Glasnost policy of the government, and like they're starting to like become. Even though you know you look at Russia now and even in the 50s, and it's like it's not a haven of liberal progressive ideas but they are starting to starting to open up and at the time 
um, students weren't really encouraged and possibly not even permitted to leave the country. I don't recall from the book, but what that led to is a really strong hiking culture in the 50s, 60s, and 70s in Russia. And so this group of 10 students are at UPI, whatever U stands for, Polytechnic Institute, somewhere in remote Russia, near Siberia. Um, they are part of this hiking club and they're some of the best hikers in the club and they're going for this special certification. And in order to do that, they have to spend X amount of days uh, on the trail. And then I guess it's just sort of an honor system. Like you come back from the trip and you're like, yeah, we spent all those days on the trail and who knows how that shakes out. But these guys were like, these guys and gals um, were like in it. Right. And so this novel or this not novel, it's a true story. This, um, this, this book is written very much in the vein of, um, crack hour who wrote into thin air which was another it was about that was about everest but it has that same sort of like flash to present flash to past like um journalistic approach to narrative which i think is very satisfying when it comes to these adventure novels so i i highly recommend it dead mountain is what it's called it's all about the Dyatlov Pass incident. And so the incident of the Dyatlov Pass incident is that this guy named Dyatlov is spelled D Y E T L O V. He's like the like he's the he is the gangster of hikers. Like he is the hiker in this group of like high-level hikers. And he's leading the group and uh the group goes about their business and like they keep a journal and like there's all these records of them like having taken this train to this remote area from that remote area taking a bus to an even more remote area so on and so forth until they end up in the you know the tundra like these i guess it wouldn't be tundra because they're mountain they're mountaineering but like really really cold spots in february they're doing this on their christmas break or their winter holiday and so they go out and then they don't come back and three days pass and they're like, it's 1959. Like you're not gonna, there's no, there's no, nobody's texting. Like you're not Instagram, uh, updating your Instagrams. Like, Hey man, we made it to do the Diotlov pass. Like look how dope this is. Click, 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 click. Um, so the, the three days pass and the school starts and they're like, all right, well, I guess, they're, I guess they're just delayed. They'll show up when they show up. And then one of the guys who was on the trip, one of the 10 gets back to school and he's like, uh, I don't know. I left early because he had a bad back or something. And so this guy's still alive to the debt to this day. And I'm at the point in the book where the journalist who's writing the book is interviewing him. And it was a hard interview to get because the guy's like super secretive, doesn't want to be a part of the project, doesn't want to answer these questions about this incident like 70 years ago or whatever. And so he gets back to campus in 1959. He's like, I don't know, like they're not back yet. You know, I guess we'll figure it out. And so then they send out a search party. They're like, okay, this guy's back. We don't know where the group is. Uh, what's going on? So they get helicopters. They set up a camp of like 50 people in the general area of where these people are or assumed to have been. And so there's nine people that they're looking for. On one of the days, one of the camping hiker, uh, one of the guys in the hiking club, this story. Oh my God. Are you still listening to this story? It's exciting. I should, I buried the lead. Let me give you, let me give you the lead right now to keep you engaged. They find all nine of them dead. Saw that coming, right? But here's the, the really peculiar thing about it. Two of them, if you don't enjoy violence, this isn't super violent. Don't freak out, okay? Two of them had a head trauma, and one of them had her tongue cut out, all right? And this isn't my bag, right? This isn't like, 
it's not what this podcast is about is like is like going through um you know traumatic events of the past but i suppose that i'm telling you this because it's such an oh i got like a little notification it's such an interestingly like it's such a strange occurrence because they find these nine people and they're within a mile or they're a mile from their tent their tent is pitched all of their boots are in the tent their bags are in the tent. The tent is zipped up. There's a stove in the center of the tent with a frozen pot of hot cocoa fitting to be put on the burner. And they're nowhere to be found when they find the tent. And so these people keep looking, looking, looking. They're like, oh my goodness, we found the tent. Now we got to find, they're probably like holed up in a cave somewhere trying to like wait for a storm to pass. And then they find them and the, you know they've all perished unfortunately tragically like this is you know a group of beautiful people you know living their, out their best life trying to educate themselves interested in the arts egalitarian in, in the 1950s very egalitarian about the distribution of labor between the sexes um and they mentioned that specifically and they have these like really like rich philosophies on um you know they they're like 1959 progressives in Russia. So it's like super interesting and really tragic that they perished, but they have no idea how they died. And then the government does an autopsy and the government doesn't say like they died of exposure, much like people on Everest, like, or just cold, like you die of exposure. Like that's a normal thing in that world of extreme mountaineering. Like that's how it happens. Um, but they find all these people and they, they're not wearing shoes. Um, I've gone off way too long on this, but it's a super interesting book. I, I, I'm the reason I'm bringing it up because I don't know what the heck is going on with it. And I went on a wake, a walk, <laughs> I went on a wake, I went on a walk with my wife yesterday. See, this is what teaching all day it scrambles your brain. I got no juice and my brain's left. Katie and I went on a walk yesterday and I was like trying to work this out. And she's like, well, someone probably came and scared them away from their tent. And I'm like, you don't understand. You don't get it, Katie. It's the government. It's aliens. I went straight conspiracy theory on her about it. And uh, hello, Layla. I went straight conspiracy theory, and she was like, no, nah, it's probably like someone. Hello. You're breathing right into the microphone, Layla. Okay. I think this dog needs to use the restroom. I'm going to take a quick break. We're back. Okay. Did it not record? Okay. <laughs> Nobody panic. I thought that it, I'm going to clap us in. I thought that it didn't get, uh, it didn't record everything, but it did. Turns out it did. All is well. What was I talking about? I was talking about that boring story that you don't want to hear about. It's okay. I just need to get outside, get a little breather, take the dog for a walk. Um, if I say walk too loud, Layla knows what it means, and so she goes a little wild. I think she just felt a little cooped up in the yoga room. So I left the door open. What else do I got for you? I got nothing on my notes. Back to fully remote learning. How did the kids do this first week? They did fine, Aaron. Great question. Another note, Ken Robinson's educational paradigms. Already covered it. Dead Mountain, do y'all love pass incident? You know, this is why people show videos on their YouTube. When they do, a lot of people do solo podcasts. Like, um, a lot of comedians do solo podcasts and they show videos. But I don't want to interview people. I don't want to interview people. Why? Because I think it makes me nervous to do it. But then also, I don't want to be 
I don't want to put out a product that I can't allow my students to see because eventually my students will find out that I do this. And if I'm putting out um, anything that's like unsavory or not even, I don't feel like I have to be professional in this setting. Though I've got this nice shirt on and I got a pen in my pocket that clicks. um, I don't feel like I have to be professional here because it's not what this is. But I do have to be... Uh, make sure that everything is like on the level and not inappropriate in a big way. Um, I've been recommending podcasts to my students today. I talked to a student today. Um, I had one student who was in today because if you have, if you, for uh, any reason, not any reason, because if someone, a parent sees this, then what do I want to say? For not for any reason, for very specific. I don't even know why. I, and I like gestured like that. That's totally not the case. That was very misleading. Let me clarify what I'm saying. For very specific, <laughs> basically the exact opposite of what I just said. Um, for extremely specific reasons that have to be coordinated with administration and like documentation, then students can stay at school. But, okay, back to what I was saying. I was talking to a student today, and he, apparently, there's this stock market game that our gifted program does, where the kids, they, um, they, like, do play stocks. They get the chance to, like, um, bet, they get, like, X amount of doll hairs, um, and then they get to just, like, make stock predictions, and then they, it doesn't turn into real money, but... This kid was like out of 200 kids in the country that were doing this. He ranked in like the top 20 of his picks. He's, I was talking to him. I was like, I was like, what do you, what stocks do you like right now? And he goes, well, you know, I, I invested a fair amount in Alibaba and then got out right before fourth quarter because there was a big drop. And that was a good, uh, that was a good sell for, for me and my partner. I was like, dude, you're 12. You're 12 years old. <laughs> But he made that stock pick. I wonder if his parents were influencing a stock. Like, how does a 12-year-old know what Alibaba is? You don't know what Alibaba is. How did this 12-year-old know? And so I started talking to him. Because I'm listening to this Prof G show, if you heard from last podcast, which was all about... my podcast. Uh, AWP 10 was all about... Um, at least a big thrust of it was my thoughts on... Uh, was on uh, colleges and like... What's going to happen once these colleges cash their deposit checks? And I reckon they're going to send the kids home. And I don't know what the temperature on that is now. It's Monday, September 14th. So I, I don't know, like, if tech, where I live, Virginia Tech, I don't know if they're in school or if they're going fully remote. I think the vibe is that they're not. I think the vibe is that they're going to keep on carrying on. So whatever. But um, so I was talking to this kid, and I was like, yeah, I'm listening to this podcast called Prop G. You should check it out. And um, he said that companies like Sonos, which can integrate with, um, you know, these home-based technologies as we all go full, more fully remote. And, you know, as you know, I'm saying this to this 13-year-old. I'm like, as you know, Twitter's employees have been fully remote since the pandemic. And the other companies like WordPress have always been fully remote with thousands of employees interdispersed throughout the countries and of the world. He's like, yes, yes, yes. This kid's going to be a millionaire before he's in college. Dude, would you send your kid to college? If your kid had a successful investing career at 13 and he proved that he could do it, the first thing I'm going to do is give that kid $1,000. Straight off the top, right off, uh, out of his college fund that uh, hopefully my kids aren't even, uh, I don't even like have kids like on the way, but... At 13, 
At 13, if I don't have $13,000 for my kid, that's a problem. You can save $1,000 a year, right? Um, Even on my income, I, I think I could do that. But yeah, I would say, well, what do you think is an appropriate amount? I would like have that conversation. Like, what would you like to invest? I was, dude, honestly, I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking, um, as soon as I have kids, because I have some students, I saw one of my students at Kroger the other day and I was thinking, okay, so that's great. I started working. I was 13. I started, um, washing. I started wash. I started scrub. You know, my aunt owned a restaurant and she still owns, she owns a red Fox creamery in downtown Winchester. Delicious, delicious homemade ice cream. And uh, when I was in high school, my wife and I both worked there. She was my girlfriend at the time. We both gained like 15 pounds because when the ice cream comes out of the machine, if you've never seen this, go break into the Hershey factory or whatever. Break down the doors, sneak your way in there, hide inside of an industrial size cooler, wearing a jacket because you know it's cold. And then as soon as the doors lock and everybody leaves, they clock out for the day in between second and third shift around 830 go cut on the machine and watch that delicious ice cream come out at the perfect consistency. Cause once it goes in the container and then they deep freeze it, you know, you put the, you put, you can't eat ice cream right out the freezer. You lunatic. You got to let it soften a little bit. But the problem with that is that it softens at an inconsistent rate because the center holds the cold and the exterior, you know, it starts to sweat the cardboard, what do you call it? Cup or whatever it's in. And the outside gets liquidy while the inside is still. So So when it comes right out of the machine, hit that spout and stick your face right underneath of it and just let the ice cream go. I didn't do this at the Red Fox Creamery, mind you, but I did take ice cream right out. I'm sorry, Aunt Kathy. I did take ice cream right out of the machine into a cup and then num, 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 num. What am I talking about? Oh, I'm talking about jobs when I'm, when you're young. It is important for children to have jobs. Unless, I, th- I think even if you are a high-achieving, super smart student, because it's these high-achieving, super smart students that are going to lead us into the future. and um, But it's also going to be the underachieving, divergent thinking students that are also going to lead us into the future. So don't get that twisted. Just because a student is... Well, I haven't been teaching enough to see this to see this bear out, but here's my hypothesis. I hypothesize that yes, high achieving, good grade getting kids will succeed in life. But I also think, sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you. I also think it's highly probable that a lot of these kids who are not so high achieving, but are capable of thinking in very strange, divergent, and unique ways, going back to the Ken Robinson stuff from before we took a break, those students have a lot of value as well. They just don't have the student skills necessarily, and that's okay. So I think that every every kid should have a job. I think that as soon as my kids are capable, I will give them a job, even if I would rather them have a job than play organized sports, I think. I haven't thought this through. I haven't thought this through. This is me thinking it through with you. But I think I'd rather have them, you know, like I said, I was, so my auntie had a restaurant in downtown Middleburg, Virginia. Very um, wealthy clientele would come through there and she had a restaurant and I just washed dishes. And my uncle and my mom actually worked there as well, uh, cooking. And um, 
the man, this is bringing me back. Memories, memories. You like that? Eat your heart out. So they would make bacon, but they didn't fry the bacon. At the time, I was not vegetarian. They didn't fry the bacon. They baked the bacon. Oh, I did. I had a kid the other day in a Google Classroom. Quite or the the first homework assignment of the year was um, send me an email so they can get in practice of sending emails in a polite way with like, dear Mr. Richards, comma enter paragraph blah 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 blah. Sincerely, blah blah blah. And one of my kids, this old like saying, he's like, Mr. Richards, my only question for you is why do you fry bacon? And why do you bake cookies? What did he say? Something about frying bacon when it should be bacon bacon. And what my Uncle Brian did and my mom at the restaurant is they baked bacon. And if you've ever baked bacon, it creates a mess on a pan. It's disgusting. Oh, my God. It stinks. It's like when the – it's so gross. This is the worst podcast ever. I gave you the most boring articulation of what my school year has gone like so far. Then I told you about a bunch of people died in the wilderness in Russia in 1959. And now I'm talking about stinky bacon pans. What those stinky bacon pans taught me is that work needs to get done. I was 13 years old and I was scraping those pans. Scrape, 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 scrape. Chris Rock has a great joke about working at Red Lobster. I worked at Red Lobster for seven years. This is a different restaurant that I worked at seven years from my senior year in high school until, um, I guess a year after I graduated college, I took five years in college plus a year of my senior year in October. As soon as I turned 18 in October, my senior year of high school, I got a job. I remember going to uh, parties in high school and my friend would pick me up from Red Lobster on a Friday or Saturday at like 1030 because I was working until 1030 because if you closed on a Friday or Saturday night, the restaurant closed at like nine or 10 and then you got to wait for people to leave. You got to clean the restaurant. So, um, that was my high school, you know? And you know, we, I'd go hang out with my friends and we play video games and like whatever. But, um, yeah, that was, I was working until 1030 and then trying to make time to, f- so this is my point. Kids need to have jobs. Or do they? I don't know. Even the even the high achieving kids, they need to know what it's like. A colleague of mine, two really good parents, both of whom are teachers that I work with, and they have a son, and their son is mechanically minded. Uh, he's articulate. He's a high achieving student, and he also works at a grocery store. And he's like 16 years old. And the last time I saw the kid, I said, "The best thing for someone like you is to have a job you don't like." And the reason for that is because in that job, he's going to realize like, this is not what I want to do with for the rest of my life. But then on top of that, here's the big thing. It will give him empathy for the people who the best option for them is working at a grocery store. No judgment. That's where I come from. Those are my roots. My, the family that I come from is like, that is the best like that is the gig right is doing well in those spaces i am not it's so like even saying like i'm not judging people who work at grocery stores just by saying that is in some way insinuating that i ought to be judging like it's just so strange people work hard man and the sooner your kids get to work 
the sooner they understand what working hard is like. I'm doing a podcast after teaching all day. I taught yoga this morning. And I'm going to teach yoga tomorrow. Like, you're supposed to work hard. But you got to learn how to relax too. What am I talking about? The last podcast. So this is what happens with my podcast. If you're just tuning in for the first time, listen to the last podcast. <laughs> that one was way more fun. <laughs> uh, maybe it's the work clothes. Maybe it's that I'm in the work clothes and I got my clicky pen. I don't know what it is, but I don't know. I feel good. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm really grateful that my uh, the school's going so well. Um, and yeah, I think it's I think it's going well. I need to get my workout in today. See, if I were showing YouTube videos, then I would be, dude, there's so many podcasts that just like, this is what they do. It's like, it's just people who are willing to talk for extended periods of time while they play YouTube. It's so strange, dude. I watched this documentary on Netflix. I don't know if I talked about this last podcast. If I did, um, I'll try to make it unique. Um, but I watched this YouTube, uh, this, uh, what's it called? Netflix show on social media. And that made me delete everything off my phone. Everything. When I say everything, I just mean Instagram and Snapchat <laughs> and TikTok. I have I have a friend who suddenly overnight had 50,000 followers on TikTok. What? How does that happen? He did it this summer. What? I don't get it. Am I jealous? Yeah. Yeah. Why do I want 50,000 followers? I don't know but I want them. <laughs> Don't you want 50,000 followers on some social media platform? Is it just me? Is it just people like me? Is it just people like me who want to sit in their yoga room by themselves and talk to a microphone? Oh, I don't know. I have a good friend who is fairly introverted and she started a YouTube channel and she started a YouTube channel because she's a gifted um, tarot reader. I say gifted, just going back to Ken Robinson. I'm not in that field, so I don't know if she is gifted, if she's offering something that's creative. But in my experience, her her readings are creative. Um, if you have hangups on tarot, then I'm sorry. Um, I have tarot cards. I think people have tarot, uh, hangups on tarot cards because they don't know what it is. And there's a lot of, just like anything in life, we have all these hangups that we don't allow that we have all these hangups that prevent us from diving deeper into a topic because we're, you know, we let people tell us what things are instead of learning what things are for ourselves. Yeah. I'm going to have a sip of coffee. Maybe that'll, here we go. A power up. Didn't work. Man, I just got to keep it flowing. That's the thing. Working this through in real time. I think I would go for another seven minutes. I think seven minutes here. There's a, a comedian who I really enjoyed his podcast. He did a solo podcast. This guy was flipping hilarious. So silly. The silliest silly guy. And uh, who was I talking to the other day? I was talking to a colleague the other day. And I was like... What was it for? Was it for school or for yoga? I said something and I was I was being very serious. I was like, you know, we got to make sure I was being very like, you know, I was acting like a person who would wear this shirt and have a clicky pen in their pocket. 
And I was like, well, you know me, like, you know, I'm a silly boy, but this is a serious thing. And we got to blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh, this is what it was. A good friend of mine and his fiance asked me to be their officiant in their wedding. Isn't that awesome? It was like so crazy. They asked me that. And, um, it was like a, I was just like on a lazy day and they FaceTimed me and they're like, Aaron, we would be honored if you would officiate our wedding. And, um, yeah, I was so humbled by that, but the silly boy thing, that's where this comes into play. I was like, I went off on some tangent about, um, how, you know, wedding is, um, like an expression of all the work put together by a couple and a wedding is like the first, um, it's like the first like challenge of a marriage is like, can we coordinate together to do this thing in order to express our feelings for one another? And it's a prolonged effort. Like you don't plan a wedding in a weekend. It's like, this is a six month process of like following up, communicating and saying like, well, I really want to do this, but I know you want to do that. And like having the meet, um, like mediating your differences, but then also coming together on your common goal, which is to create something beautiful, which is an expression of your marriage. And so, um, the, the bride to be was like, Oh, that's so sweet. And I was like, I was like, well, you guys know, like I'm a silly boy. And, uh, but you know that I can be serious when necessary. And the, the groom to be, he goes, uh, yeah, that's how we'll introduce you at the rehearsal dinner. Aaron, AKA the silly boy. And so what was I talking about? I was talking about this podcaster. I was talking about this podcaster and how um, I really enjoyed his solo podcast because they were just so silly, man. So silly. His, his name's Chris D'Elia. Um, but there's like a bunch of controversy around him now, um, which I have not dove into and I don't really know much about. And I'm just talking purely. So like I was just talking purely from listening to his podcast. It's just so ridiculous and silly. And um, I think that was one of the catalysts for me to realize. And there's another guy named Theo Vaughn who I think is hilarious, though he's controversial in his own right because, you know, comedians are just, like, controversial. Um, They're either controversial or they're controversial, you know, and I I don't know which, but it's one of the two. And they do solo podcasts. And I thought, well, why am I waiting around for the world to give me something? I just need to – I want to podcast. I want to talk. I want to share ideas. I want to – I really, so here's the thing I really want to, so I was going to teach, um, I wasn't on the, let me rephrase that. I wanted to teach, uh, at yoga jam this year, which is in Floyd and then, um, didn't end up following through. So that's just like a lack of communication between, uh, me and my wife who sometimes I do the scheduling. Sometimes she does it and it's just miscommunication. So we're going to do it next year. And then I was thinking, well, it's kind of, it's kind of right that I'm not doing that yet because I feel like I don't have anywhere to direct people so that they can continue to learn in the, in the ways that I'm teaching, right? The ways that I'm teaching, um, both as like a public school teacher and like, what is it that, what is my approach? Like the fact that I talked about Ken Robinson to start this podcast and, um, like his idea of creativity is the, the currency of the future, not, wrote standardized instruction, but fostering creativity. And so like, I I don't think that that's necessarily unique to me, but it's definitely um, part of what it is that I'm trying to teach. And like in other podcasts, I've talked about how 
you know, the layers of yoga, we're talking from a yoga teacher perspective, a lot of us get into it for the physical and then we grad, not graduate, but we sort of like satiate that urge to feel healthy and to feel fit. And then we work into the other limbs of yoga, like tapas and santosha and svatyadya and like all these different like parts of the yoga puzzle that offer a complete picture. And so the, one of the reasons that I've decided to carry on podcasting one, I think it's just mentally good for me to have a place where I can speak and not feel as if people are waiting for their turn. Like they're waiting for me to be quiet. Cause like I was at, I was at a brewery the other day with uh, some really good friends that I love. It was actually, it was my friend that does tarot on YouTube and we were just sitting and talking and like my energy was up and I was like really jazzed kind of like I was in the last podcast. And I realized like, Oh Aaron, you're talking you're taking all of the conversation, like you're controlling this conversation. So you really got to like take a step back because these people, um, like they're not vibrating at the same level, not in a hierarchical, better, worse way, but it's just like, I'm like, wow, 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 wow. And they're like, wow, wow, wow. It's beautiful. And that's why we get along is because we have complementary energies. But so one, the podcast is an opportunity for me to express that like, bra, bra, bra part of my personality without feeling like I have to hold it back because if you don't want to listen, don't listen. <laughs> that's fine. Um, so that's one. And then the second is like, if I find myself in public spaces and people want to stay connected with me, I don't want to do it through Instagram. I don't feel like that's like, I feel like it's, it's such a, uh, it's like the difference between Bernie Sanders going on, uh, and, um, who else did he have on? He had, um, Andrew Yang on Joe Rogan had a couple of presidential candidates on his podcast. Like Andrew, specific, let's talk about Andrew Yang. So Andrew Yang, when you listen to him in a two hour format, you're like, Oh, this guy is making so much flipping sense. Why are we not putting him in front of the democratic party as like a viable candidate? And whether you agree with his policies or not, like this guy's on the level, he's like, he's cogent, he's paying attention, he's ready for the game. Right. Um, let me write this down. Andrew Yang. Hashtag Andrew Yang, Yang gang. Um, and so the difference between that and a debate format, right? Are we even going to do the debates? I think that's in a week or two between Trump and Biden. I want to see it. I want to see it. They need to have it, have the debates. Trump said he's not even preparing for it. That's something he would say, right? But you, you listen to Andrew Yang in a two-hour podcast. He also did a podcast with Sam Harris, if you're not a Joe Rogan fan. Um, and you listen to two hours of that guy, and you're like, this guy's making sense. But if you listen to him in a debate, it's like, oh, he's got a paragraph that he can blurt out before they're like, uh, sir, your time. Sir, your time. And I think that's what Instagram has done, is it takes Instagram, Twitter, blogs. Hey, Layla. Layla, I'm doing a thing. Layla, Layla. It takes all these things and it makes it so that you are like creating junk food. You're taking creating junk food ideas and it still has the Cheetos still have the essence of cheese. If I ignore her, she'll go away. Cheetos have the essence of cheese, but they're not made of cheese. And that's what online platforms are. And so when you can do long form, then you can really understand what's going on inside someone's head. I want to finish this thought, but I got to kick this dog out to do it. Just wait two seconds. I'm not even going to pause anything. 
because I don't want to go over for an hour. All right, everybody just stay with me. I mean, she has like such high food motivation and I've developed a bad habit of letting her have a snack in the afternoon, but she's, she's going to gain weight. I don't know. What am I talking about? What am I talking about? I'm talking about the can condensation, not in like a beautiful, like the way California needs rain way, the condensing of complex ideas into short, pithy sayings or pictures or quotes doesn't get the, doesn't get that gizzard. It doesn't get the whole thing. And so that's the second reason I want to start a podcast. What am I talking about? Oh, my God. Second reason I want to start a podcast is because when I find myself in positions where I'm, like, teaching at Yoga Jam or um, a guy, um, this hip-hop artist that I know, he wants me to do this and this was pre COVID. He wanted me to do this festival thing. And it's like, well, I don't really have anywhere to point people after the fact to keep like the relationship going if they're vibing on what it is that I was teaching. And so, um, that's one of the reasons the podcast exists is because like, this is a catalog of what it is that I'm thinking and the way that I think about them, the way that I communicate, the way that I'm engaged with what it is that I'm thinking, saying, and doing. Um, that's what the podcast, Excuse me. I just had a fizzy water and a soda, so I'm a little burpy. I apologize. But that's the way I, this is the way I live, man. I'm sitting on the floor in a dress shirt. Deal with it. <laughs> like like you first of all, like you even noticed that. And then secondly, like you're talking trash, like, can you believe this guy is sitting on the floor wearing a dress shirt? Why is he making that voice? I don't know. Jim Carrey was a role model of mine. Chris Farley was a role model of mine. And then a lot of these silly comedians out there in the world today. What does that card say? I'm at 27 minutes, 27 and a half minutes. So I got to cut this in two minutes. Last time the video cut off and you guys missed Nash, who is the sweetest little doggo ever. I think it's all I got for you guys. I probably opened up some doors and some threads that I didn't wrap, but I think that's okay. I don't think it's a huge deal. We'll get back to them. So here, I think this is my normal schedule. I think on on Mondays, maybe I'll record one on Tuesday too because after I teach four classes, I'm really fired up. Gets my uh, gets my um, linguistic mind really cruising. So maybe I'll record another one tomorrow. We'll put it out a little bit later. Uh, podcasts come out every Monday. They're scheduled out, and we're building them. We're in the double digits now, baby. Podcast number 11, Aaron Wayne Podcast. Feels great, man. Feels really good. I don't even know what I'm going to title this thing because it's all over the place. It makes no sense. That's okay. It's all right. Bye, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. What a fool. That's it. You made it. Here we go. We're on the other side. If you guys want to follow along uh, my Instagram, even though I talk trash on Instagram all the time, I still check it every now and again, is at Aaron Wayne Yoga. My Facebook is also the same. I never check that, so don't message me there. And if you do want to send me a direct email, it's hello at AaronWayneYoga.com. Check out my website, AaronWayneYoga.com. 
lots more podcasts coming your way. Lots more fun. Lots more energy. I'm stoked to be doing this. Stoked to have a regular schedule of it. And I hope you guys are doing something cool. Peace.